Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And today we continue in the series in the book of 1 Corinthians. Today we're in chapter 9. Pastor Sean reminds us that, like it or not, life is moving pretty fast, like we're all in a race. So in this race, are you running for fame or power, money or something else this world offers? Well, if you picked any one of those, well, none of those will last. Sean has a special message for you on keeping your eye on the real prize. ReachingForRealLife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. It's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. The message today is called Learning to Win. It's in the series called One. Sean starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. We're in a series called One. We're walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. The title is One because we have one gospel. We have one church, the church, one spirit, one mission. We've been walking through each chapter, looking at the key themes that the Apostle Paul brings in his book, his first letter to the church of Corinth. Last week, we talked about matters of conscience. We saw there's a time to abstain, but why you abstain makes all the difference. There are some things that we should step back from, but why we do it makes all the difference in the world. In chapter 9, if you have your Bibles turned there, we get a glimpse into Paul's sense of urgency with the gospel. Just a glimpse into his sense of urgency. He begins the chapter by making a case for financial support for ministers. So I think you should all read that well. Okay? Just read it, maybe memorize that, share it around, kind of start a viral campaign. He talks about how the, the, the one who plants the vineyard has a right to eat from the fruit of the vineyard. The one who takes care of the flock has a right to drink from the milk of the flock. Understand, this is, he comes from a Hebrew culture where, where even to this day, the faith, the religious, the orthodox are supported by the taxes of the people. In Israel, the tithe and the tax were very much intertwined. And they had multiple tithes. The New Testament church took this idea of a tithe and carried that on. And Paul's simply making this case that says ministers who are working hard for the gospel deserve to be cared for by that. And then he go, proceeds to say, but I'm not going to, I have a right to that, but I'm not going to take that right because of the unique situation he was in. So he foregoes that right, but he takes time to make that case and say, This makes perfect sense. And then he goes into a discussion, which is where I want us to focus. Because he kind of turns it, and what's interesting is if you consider what we talked about last week with the matters of conscience, he almost treats this in that same way. Because he turns and he says in verse 19, for though I am free from all, in other words, he talked in aid about this bondage, and he says, I'm free, I have liberty. He says, I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all. That's where he was talking about in the beginning part of the chapter where he says, I'm going to forego these rights because I don't want anyone to miss out on what the gospel has. I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. I love that phrase, I might win more of them. And then he gives this phrase, it's one we, if you're around church circles much, maybe you've heard this. He says, to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Now listen, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. You go, wait a minute, you're, you, this guy was a Pharisee. Yeah, but he found freedom in Christ. 
He found redemption not by birthright, not by law, but by faith in Christ. To those outside the law, interesting, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. He says that I did that, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. And then he says this very well-known, often quoted phrase. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Now, we know Paul's not saying he personally saves them. What he's saying is that I might bring them to salvation. And he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And he's going to talk a little bit about the blessings of the gospel. And then he gives this illustration. It's really important. This is where we're going to center in and kind of bring our message from. Oh, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. He's talking about they discipline themselves in training. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. Another translation says, I beat my body. I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gospel. And I pray that you would speak to us. Help us to hear what you have to say. Help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message this morning is Learning to Win. Learning to Win. He says, he says those who run, r- run to win. He says, you should run so as to obtain the prize. And he goes, he talks about doing or becoming whatever it takes to win some. He talks about Jews. Paul is of the Jews, but obviously when he had that experience on the Damascus Road and all of a sudden Jesus called him and everything in his world was turned upside down, he separated himself and became in the minds of his people, not in his mind, in the minds of his people, he became an enemy because he he had become one of these Christians who they saw as a cult. He'd become one of them. And here he's saying, even though I live different than the birthright and law mentality of my brothers, he said, to them, I'll speak their language, I'll do whatever it takes. I will go and I will become and I will speak to them in a way they understand so that I might see them one to Christ. Those under the law specifically within Judaism, he says, I'll become like one of those who are under the law. I'll speak about the law. And of course, Paul obviously was very well educated in the law. He was a a, a Pharisee. He was someone who was trained at the highest level so he could speak their terms. And he said, that's what I did. To those who weren't under the law, like probably over half of the church at Corinth, he said, I became as one not under the law. And I spoke in such a way, and I taught in such a way so that they could understand the love, the grace, and the gift of Jesus Christ. To the weak, I became as the weak. Whatever I needed to do. And then he said that phrase in verse 22. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Um, Some people ask why I don't push political candidates or political parties Um, this is why. (laughs) That's what this is talking about. I mean, he doesn't specifically list Democrats and Republicans, independents, libertarians, 
but he could. To the Republicans, I became as a Republican. To the Democrats, I became as a Democrat. To the Independents, to the Libertarians, to people who don't care about politics, I became like one of them. Now, does that mean he's wishy-washy and he's trying to changing and he's, not, he's kind of faking people out? No, no, no. What it means is he's saying, I will become or I will do whatever I need to do to be able to have the right to share Jesus with someone. And that's why we don't rally around a political party here. We have people from all different political backgrounds and ideologies. And our goal is to, in, in this election, our goal in just our everyday lives is to let our politics be subservient to our faith because we are first and foremost Christ followers. That's who we are. And that's critical to our understanding. And that's what Paul's saying. It's all about Jesus. All of it. It's all about him. See, this is the why behind what he does. That's what he's giving us. He's giving us the why behind his approach to ministry. And I think that's what we need to draw from this. And what's interesting, he describes it as though he, he's, giving, he's talking about himself, talking about himself, talking about himself, but then he says he tells us to run. Don't you know that all, he's talking about himself, I do this for the gospel, I do that. And then he says, and gives an illustration, don't you know that all runners, all race, in, don't you know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize. So you're like, wow, Paul, you're working hard, good for you, you're going to get the prize. And then he turns it to us and says, so you run that you may obtain the prize. You run that you may obtain the prize. In other words, we have a race. Not just for him, it's for us. If you're taking notes, here's the main point. Write this down. See, you are in a race. Make sure you're in it to win it. You're in a race. Make sure you're in it to win it. You've heard that phrase? Coaches will use that. Are you in it to win it? Or are you in it just to hang out? Just to have fun? You know, when people a lot of times say there's no I in team, but there is in win. And we'd like to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Learning to Win. It's in the series on unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Please find that Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azara. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and to make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Learning to Win. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. 
We see cities burning, exploding, riots and things. And we, we get angry. And I understand, I understand that. We want to see good things for everybody. And we know that's not the way to get it. But Jesus looks from a position of compassion. He knows the same thing, by the way. He wants good things for them, and he knows that's not the way to get it. But he has compassion. Lord, give me, when I see people who are broken, hurt, broken, hurting, and lost, give me compassion. Not judgment, not frustration, not intolerance, impatience. Give me compassion. Help me to see like you see, Jesus. Let that change me. See, that's where the passion of the gospel is. That's why, that's why Paul's sitting there saying, I don't care who it is, the Jews, I'll become like a Jew. Well, you are a Jew. Yeah, but I'm a Jew kind of non gratis because I abandon the religious way. Those under the law become like them. But Paul, you said we're not under the law. Doesn't matter. I will become. I will speak their language. I will listen to them. I will walk alongside of them if that's what it takes. Those who are outside of the law, yep, I'll do the same thing. To the weak, sure. I'll do anything that I might be used by God to see some come to him. See, Jesus is looking at those crowds, helpless, harassed without shepherd. And imagine what he said about abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I can, I can just see him looking at that going, that's what the thief does. I came to bring abundant life, and this isn't it. He tells his disciples, look, look at the field, man. It's white. The harvest is ready. In Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, Paul talks about, he says that, however, is not the way of life you learn. Talking about a sinful way of life. He says, that's, that's not the way you learn. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, the prize is life change. My life change and life change in people around us. And then Paul goes on to give some specifics of the new life in contrast to the old life in Ephesians 4. Let me just ask you, what does life change look like to you? Think about it. What does life change? If you think about the gospel, think about someone that you care about who is far from God. What does life change look like to you? Maybe it's just someone repenting and being forgiven, totally forgiven, and the tears of joy as the weight of sin is gone. Maybe it's just freedom from addiction, brokenness, fear, anger, bitterness. Maybe it's a change in, in family, change in, in work. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm working now with a purpose because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm filled with the Spirit every single day. Did you have a vision for life change in the people around you? We listened to one of the talks from the Leadership Summit this uh, last year. We had a, a staff retreat this last week. Got away for a couple days and just kind of worked on some issues. And one of the talks we looked at again was from Craig Rochelle. And he talked about when he was a youth pastor and how he brought a bunch of kids. And they, these kids were rough. They didn't belong in church, kind of. They didn't know what to do. And they sat in this dear, sweet old lady's seat. Her name was Fran. And he quoted an author who says that every church has guaranteed one mean old lady. It's kind of the law of the universe. And I said, we don't at River City. Nope. But he said, this lady, Fran, she was, she was kind of that lady, and she was mad those kids sat in her seat, and she had a move. 
She told him that was her seat. And, and he's like, oh my gosh, I worked so hard to get these kids here. And, and he went and he talked to her. And I love this. I've actually done this before with some folks regarding change in the context of a church. But he went to this lady, Fran, and, and, and he said, Fran, do you have any grandkids? Yeah, how are they doing in faith? Oh, they're not following the Lord. Would you like to see that? Oh, I'd love to see that. What if your grandkids came to church and someone treated them like that? He said, that lady absolutely changed almost instantly. She started coming out to youth. She'd, she'd make the snacks. She'd give each kid, greet each kid, give him a hug. She, now they had all of a sudden they had this 80-year-old youth sponsor, right, who, who is now serving the kids. What happened is she got a vision of life change. She all of a sudden saw them as someone who mattered because she saw them like her grandkids. She said, I want a church where my grandkids can find Jesus and be comfortable and can grow and become who God made them to be. He cast vision. What's your vision of life change? Who do you sit in your life and go, God, I want to see them saved. I'd do anything. Yeah, Sean, but they're, they're, they're a Democrat. <laughs> they're a Republican. I can't talk to them. I can't be seen with them. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Stop it. See the things? This, it, we laugh when you put it like that. And yet we let that stuff divide us all the time. Paul says, nope. No, I'm passionate about the gospel. We're in a race. The question is, are we in it to win it? It's the gospel. Our race involves taking as many people with us as we can. The last thing I want to point out, and I'll wrap up with this, and this is so important. When he compares it to a, an athletic endeavor... He's implying that winning takes training. Winning takes training. Remember what 24 through 27 said? Do you not know that all in a race, all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. He's talking about training, discipline in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body. I train my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. See, winning takes training. What can we do to train to be more effective at sharing the gospel? Well, one, first thing, and it's so important, and this, by the way, is some of the heaviest lifting. Make sure the gospel has changed us. Make sure, one, that people can see Jesus. That doesn't mean perfection. Just make sure people can see Jesus in me. And make sure that I have seen Jesus work in me, in others, and that it's just a part of my life. Make sure that I've been changed by the gospel. Maybe you're here and you, you would say, you know what, I need to be changed by the gospel. I don't, I, I've never asked Christ to forgive my sins. I've never let, his, let him forgive me and fill me with his spirit. I want to say you can this morning. It's actually quite simple. I'm not using the word easy. 
Because surrendering your life to Jesus, I'm not going to call that easy. But it is fairly simple. And it is wonderful. Because it now all of a sudden, because of his death on the cross, my sins can be forgiven and justice be satisfied. See, God is just. And that's why the cross was necessary. My sin incurred a death penalty. Jesus paid that death penalty on the cross. That's why the cross is such a big deal. When I become a follower of Jesus, when I am forgiven, it's because I accept that free gift of his death on my behalf, his death paying the penalty for my sins. Now, you can do that today. The beauty is it doesn't stop there. It's not just about the sins of the past. When that sin is dealt with, God, by his grace, gives me what I was created for, his Holy Spirit filling me. My spirit becomes alive in him because his spirit is in me. That's what salvation is. And with a prayer as simple as, Lord, please forgive me, I'm a sinner. I received that free gift of your death on the cross for me. And I invite you to fill me and lead me now as my Lord and Savior. A prayer that simple will change your life. Scripture says you'll be a new creation. Receive him and make sure the gospel has transformed your life. Another thing, way we can train, we immerse ourselves in the gospel. And what that is, we talk about it all the time, it's the word and prayer. Be a person who is in the word and praying. See, as we take in the word, as we begin to see how God sees, we begin to receive his word, let his spirit speak to us, and we pray, we interact with him, it becomes more alive and real to us every day. And we begin to change how we see the world. You want to have compassion on the harassed and helpless? Be a person who's daily in the Word and prayer. and Watch and see if his thoughts and attitudes don't start to absorb into you because his spirit is there to bring it to life. So immerse yourself in the gospel through prayer and the Word. And the last training I think I want to encourage you in, and this is one that I think is kind of the rubber meets the road, tough part for us. Start sharing what God has done. Start sharing what God has done for you. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to share the good news of what he has done for you? I would ask you this. um, What's your story of faith? What's your story of faith? Someone came and asked you, what's this Jesus thing? Okay, I'm interested. What's this Jesus thing about? What's your story? What would you tell them? What have you seen God do? How many of you are familiar with what an elevator speech? You know what an elevator speech is? Yeah, salespeople around, salespeople, networkers, business people, elevator speech. It's a, like a two-minute speech. If you're in an elevator with someone, say, oh, what do you do? And you can just tell about your business, tell about what your deal is. What if we had a two-minute elevator speech on what the gospel's done for us? Some, if, if someone were interested, we could in a minute and a half, two minutes, just say, oh, Man, Jesus has changed my life. I was like this, but, but let me tell you what happened when I met him and, and all the things he's brought into my life. And if we got to where, in just a few minutes, we could just bring that naturally into the relationship. Could we do that? I want to encourage you. Figure it out. Practice. Find a friend. Share it with them. Don't try to be super religious. Don't try to be super theological. Tell your story. 
And be prepared to tell people what Jesus has done for you. Here's a question. Who are you praying for? Who in your life do you care about a lot that you want to see Jesus set free? You want to see, you're like, man, if Jesus could set them free, their life could be totally different. And I'd love to see that. Put together a list. In your community groups, put together a list and pray for, pray for those people. And just share that. Watch and see what God does. If you learn to share just a little bit of your story of what God's done for you, okay, and you begin to pray specifically for people, see if God doesn't give you opportunities to share. This is what it means to be ready when they ask. Live it, pray, and be ready. And I'm telling you, you'll see God begin to start some action around you. See, that's the power of the gospel. I don't want to just say this world is messed up and the only hope is the gospel. I want to be one who brings the gospel to the messed up world. If the gospel is the hope of the world, how are we doing it, sharing it? That's what Paul is talking about. I'll do whatever it takes. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.